Guys of a Certain Age is brought to you by no one. Absolutely no one. Except these dudes walking down memory lane. Now let's head to the studio to see what they misremember next. We're back, guys of a certain age. Robbie Koblenz in studio alongside Art Shirley. And we really don't know where Jay is. Maybe he was snapped. Uh-huh. No, no, he wasn't snapped. That would, But he would be back. If if he was snapped, he would be de-snapped. De-snapped. Isn't that what you do to green beans? You de-snap, de-snap them? Or do you snap them? You de- de- snap these. You snap uh, these beans. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> snap all. Snap all. Boy, know. what would that not have been like the greatest cross promotional crossovers? Oh, yeah. Avengers uh, Infinity War brought to you by Snapple. Snapple. Gosh, that'd have been perfect. Man, man, I missed my calling yet again. A year late and multiple dollars short. All right, guys of a certain age, two guys of a certain age. Jay reads on assignment somewhere in uh, what was it? Uh, Malt. Uh, what was it? Uh, oh, Corta Maltese. Yeah. You the 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 island from um, Dark Knight Returns where there was the 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 Civil War going on. Yep. And and that's kind of a fictional island that's been harkened back to in the DC universe. Corto Maltese. Yeah. Maybe, maybe Jason Corto Maltese. Maybe so. All right. That was probably a little too geeky for this early in the podcast. Reach. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry about that. So how are you doing, Art? I'm doing okay. It's a, doing okay. It's a Monday in it, every sense of the word. It is a Monday and yeah. uh, the temperatures are going up. The air conditioning is going on. And so yes, uh, our spring is over. I have a feeling. Yeah. Our spring. Well, we actually had more of a spring this year than what we usually do. Yeah. We go from cold to furnace. Yeah, that's right. That's and, right. Of course, a lot of it was filled with rain, but it was yeah. nice. It was, yeah. it's, it's, it's been pleasant, and now it's about to start warming up. That's right. That's right. Well, let's jump into our Geeks of the Week. Okay. What you got? I have got a podcast, another podcast. I hate to be sending people away, but I think they'll, they'll enjoy this one. And it's a limited-run podcast, but it's called Blockbuster, and it came out in April. And it's by Matt Schrader, and it details the friendship and rise of early Steven Spielberg and George Lucas. And it's told Ooh. in a dramatic fashion. It's not just somebody talking about it. They actually, you've probably seen it now that I'm yeah, yeah, yeah. I saw it uh, on Geek Tyrant and they had uh, a link to some clips from the most recent episode that talks about George Lucas doing an early screening I of Star Wars. Yeah, yeah. To Brian De Palma, Brian's wife, Marsha, I think was her name. Marsha, Marsha, Marsha. Uh, and, and Steven Spielberg. And how bad it went. Yeah. He didn't have effects in it. There were scenes where he just kind of had to, he had like substituted. And I've seen this before where, you know, some of the uh, uh, X-Wing fighting uh, TIE fighter duels, he had substituted just World War Two yeah. footage of a dog fight in there because that's what he was pulling for thematically. But uh, it's it's pretty funny. And uh, like I said, I haven't I haven't listened to it other than the clips from that episode. But uh, it's going to be seven episodes, six episodes in all. I think there's a, a teaser trailer that, that or a teaser uh, podcast for it that you know brings it up to seven or eight episodes. Uh, but it looks very interesting, and it's just uh, it's supposed to capture moments in time as Spielberg is developing Jaws and some of the headaches that he had, and uh, Lucas is developing. Uh, Star Wars and how those two movies, uh, Jaws was the first and then Star Wars, you know, the second one close behind it were the big blockbusters, you know, so named because lines will be stretching around the blocks. But uh, but it sounds very interesting. So I'm looking forward to hearing that again. It's called uh, Blockbuster. It's available wherever fine podcasts, including guys of a certain age, can be found. Well, if we're going to keep it in the podcast realm, I'm going to send some folks off to a uh, 
another podcast that I love as much as our own, almost as much as our own, is by Malcolm Gladwell. It's called Revisionist History. So you may or may not know Gladwell. He's a New York Times bestselling author, uh, wrote The Tipping Point, Atliers, uh, a variety of uh, kind of business-centric books. Um, Tipping Point was probably his most famous one. I've heard of the book, yeah. Yeah, and it, it's a fabulous read. And uh, the, the, the cool thing about Revisionist History is uh, Gladwell takes uh, certain stories or certain points in time and revisits them and kind of takes a, a, a different spin on it. So the it, there's three seasons of it. It kind of morphs across the three seasons, but uh, the two episodes I highly recommend are the, uh, if my kids are listening, they're going to roll their eyes, the McDonald's French Fry episode. Okay. So he talks about how how French fries were originally developed at McDonald's, how they were, they were fried in beef tallow, and how a Omaha businessman um, in the early 90s suffered a almost fatal heart attack, was told by his doctor to cut out saturated fats, and he goes on a one-man crusade to get McDonald's to stop frying and beef fat. And wow. he, he takes out a Super Bowl ad, billboards the whole nine yards, and basically publicly shamed McDonald's into not using beef fat. Changed the whole recipe of the fries and the whole point of how fries at McDonald's are nothing like they were when we were kids. Yeah. I mean, used to be, that's what you went to McDonald's for. That's right. I mean, that's the right. fries were just, and they are, are certainly not what they used to be anymore. And Ray Kroc in his book, Ray Kroc is the guy who bought the franchise. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, the name McDonald's, the rights to the restaurant, franchised mm-hmm. it out in his biography. He says, don't mess with the fries. Right. And what did they do? Messed with the fries. They messed with the fries. So that's a fascinating episode. Then there's another episode about memory, about misremembering. Oh. And and yeah, which which is great for us. (laughs) But it goes back to uh, the the furor over um, Brian Williams when... uh, Oh, yeah, right. When he, he... misremembered uh-huh. being fired upon I, I guess in Gulf War Two. yeah I can't I, I can't I can't remember, I can't yeah, remember. Right. Uh, but in, <laughs> but I know I was there with him and I said Brian <laughs> whatever you do yeah make sure you got your facts straight when you tell this that's later. right that's right and so it talks about how um, uh, how easy it is to misremember and how your memory is one of the most fallible things that you that you have and so it gets into the whole psychology of memory and misremembering and how um it happens to us all and they'll the name of the episode i think is called free brian williams because it's you know we all do it we all do it yeah and uh, if you tell your something yourself something enough times over the course of time, it becomes etched as yeah. memory. So, those what's are the name of the podcast? Revisionist history. Revisionist history. And there's there's some other great things. Like there's a there's another episode about the lack of park space, um, uh, city parks in Los Angeles, and how the majority of the spaces that might be a city park are tied up in golf courses. Right. And the movement to allow uh, non-members to have access to golf courses just for recreation, just for walking. Um, so a, a brilliant, brilliant podcast. Yeah, so, that sounds good. So those are two, Blockbuster and Revisionist History, that you can listen to when you're not listening to guys of a certain age. That's right. That's right. And it, they're free of charge. Just, you know, I, we talked about paying people to listen to our podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, we haven't gotten there that yeah. quite yet. So, well, it, like Art said, this is a Monday. This is a Monday after the Sunday night Game of Thrones finale and the Monday after Big Bang Theory wraps up. So we thought... Hey, why don't we talk about what makes a good TV series finale? Right. Um, 
So spoiler alert, we will probably talk about a few episodes that you may or not, may not have seen. We're not going to dive into spoilers, but we're going to talk about them from a, a dramatic standpoint and uh, how they fit into to, uh, uh you know, wrapping up the story and what makes a good series for right. So, right. Uh, I, first question I've got to ask, though, is, is, is were you pleased with the Game of Thrones finale? Are you one of those that are disappointed and signed the petition to get the whole season rewritten? Or Yeah, actually, I signed the petition to let me write it and do the effects there for it. Go. So that would give us work for the next two years. Cool. Uh, and I'm yeah, still playing Tyrion, right? That's right. Okay, that's right. Uh, we're going to have to cut lives. you off at the... Uh, <laughs> yeah. And we're going to have to cut you off at the ankles to get you to the right height. Yeah, okay. Thank you. Yeah. So... Um, I, I thought they did a good job, and there's some caveats there. Just remembering that the the show dramatically departed from the books three seasons ago, right? And you can kind of tell that. And someone summed it up really well by saying the books were about winter is coming and the battle against the Night King and the Game of Thrones, the political thriller was secondary. The TV show is all about the political. Okay, thriller. so it just turns it on the set. Yeah, yeah, it really does. And um, you know, it was a pretty satisfying conclusion. Well, good. I'm glad to hear that because I know a lot of people were not happy with it, but. You know, that happens whenever you put something out, a piece of creative work. Now you hear from yeah. all sides. But, yeah, I, I wish they had taken long to develop some of the character turns. And I'll talk a little mm-hmm. bit about that in a second. Um, I, there were some things that rang a little hollow to me. Right. Um, that they needed a little bit more time to develop. Um, but all in all, I, I was pleased with it. That's good. Okay. So, but, uh, and then you watched. And Big Bang Theory, which I, we, you and I talked about this off mic. I had not watched the epi- uh the the show in the past few years i didn't feel like i was at all behind when i when i tuned in uh, uh, uh what was it uh thursday month, friday night and uh uh you know it was the characters that were still the same you know kind of could pick up where things were the thing i liked about the finale is that and this is to me goes into some of the things that i like to see are loose ends are wrapped up they don't dramatically change the characters or take them out of their situation. Mm-hmm. Although they did take them somewhere they're not used to, it fit within the context of what these characters are, are doing. Sure. And uh, and then there's a payoff for fans. You know, it's not there's not some cheap stunt at the end of it, which, you know, you'll see sometimes uh, where, you know, in particular, a character may be killed off or whatever. Now, granted, if that's part of the, the way that show works, Game of Thrones, you know, famous from first episode for killing characters, uh, uh, characters off you expect some of that to happen exactly if they had if they'd come in with big bang theory and all of a sudden killed off a character just to have some dramatic moment that would have been awful and you see that happen sometimes in in comedy series especially that want to try to have a dramatic turn and i was glad to see they do that so you've got to stay true to the show that got you there i think uh and they did that big bang theory did that uh, like i said it was just a there was a heartfelt goodbye that i think fans like to you want to see your characters you know have a chance to I think maybe tell the fans, tell each other bye. So that was good. Uh, and, you know, another thing, too, I like is is this idea that there is going to be a life that continues after the show. Sure. You know, sometimes sometimes that may reach a very definite conclusion. I'm thinking about some of the, the uh, other shows that I've seen that, you know, obviously that, that chapter is closed. But you realize other people are going to go on with lives and whatever. It doesn't just end, you know. Yeah. So that's uh, like I said. I thought they did a good job. It's, it was a show that I enjoyed. I think it, you know, Big Bang Theory uh, did a lot to help bring geek culture into the Absolutely. mainstream. Absolutely. I know yeah. there's a lot of people didn't like it because of that, but I always enjoyed it. I thought they were good about being topical. You know, when you were in the comic book store, they'd usually have the latest 
issue or they'd be actually be discussing sometimes sometimes a uh, comic book that had just come out. So I thought they did a pretty good job of that. And it redeemed Will Wheaton, too. So, what, you know, what else can you say? Yeah, what else could you say about that? So now, did is Young Sheldon continuing or did they or Young Sheldon is continuing? Okay. It, had its, it had its season finale. Uh uh, the, the same night. Okay. Uh, but, uh, and I've watched some episodes of that. The kid's real good in that. The show's real, real good, but it, it's never had the appeal to me that uh, Big Bang Theory had when we were watching it, you know? Yeah. Uh, quite a bit. Uh, but, I, I saw the first five or six uh, seasons of Big Bang on a streaming service yeah. and enjoyed it. It was fun, but it got a little old. Well, not old, but repetitive. Yeah. Now, I, I thought they did a good job of introducing new characters, but yeah, I, I agree with you on that. And that's probably why we got away from it. It's something that to me, if it comes on like on TBS or whatever's running, you know, whatever uh, channel runs it now, uh, you know, we'll watch it sometimes. And like I said, you can pretty much pick up and go, okay. They've either had children here or somebody's got a new job, whatever the situation is. It's not hard to figure out what's going on. You can just enjoy the, the last for what, what they are. Well, well, riffing off what you just talked about. So let's let's talk about what makes a good um, a good TV series finale, not a season finale, but a TV series finale. And I'm going to jump in and mention something that um, that has kind of changed over the past few years. You know, the, the American model of television has been let's pump as many episodes out, renew, renew, renew uh, to keep the cash cow going. Right. So, you know, you can go back and, you know, Big Bang Theory was on for 10 years. I think it, yeah. is. it wrapped up his 10th year. Uh, the office was eight or nine. Right. Because um, there used to be you wanted to make sure you got so many episodes to guarantee you got made syndication. That's right. So that was the big deal. Get to syndication. Get syndication. Get residuals. Uh-huh. And um, but you look at the. British methodology of television where it's a limited series. Right. You know, uh, Broadchurch comes to mind, mm-hmm. uh, 10 initial episodes. Um, and Broadchurch ended up with three series, uh, series one, two, and three. Right. How original is that? But 30 mm-hmm. episodes. The British version of The Office was only, what, 10 or 12 episodes? Yeah, it wasn't very long at all. I'm not sure exactly what it was. But uh, they seem to have set a model of, we'll keep going as long as there's a story to be told. Yeah. And yeah. not necessarily you know, milk this cash cow dry, you know, unless uh, we're talking about coronation street or fault of towers, you know, <laughs> yeah. Not to say that they don't do that. Yeah. And I think that, um, also we've seen a lot of that because of Netflix, Amazon, some of the sure. other streaming services, they can get really good actors and actresses, writers, directors, or whatever that will commit themselves for a short run series, Yeah, you know, that might not otherwise have done that, but then they've got the room to really explore something that they wouldn't have to to explore in just a two to three hour movie if it's end game, but you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Well, House of Cards is a prime example of yeah. that. To bring in David Fincher as uh, the executive producer, directed the first episode, and uh, Kevin Spacey, right? Um, and then, you know, that ended up six seasons, seven yeah, seasons. And that would be one that I would argue probably stayed a little past it, its welcome. It, well, it, well. yeah, yeah, probably two seasons past. Uh-huh. And you look at the originating series in, in Britain, and I think it was four episodes. Mm-hmm. So based upon a book. Yeah. Um, so w- with that being said, uh, we're, we're looking at a couple different models. Right. You know, we're mm-hmm. looking at a longevity model or maybe a short run model. Right. But, but all right. So what what's the payoff for you for, for a, a show finale? Is he, like I said, it has to feel like the show that it was, you know, that it's that is ending. Uh, all too often, you'll see somebody come up and they have to have, uh, they feel like they have a have to have a stunt or an event or whatever at the end of it. Now, if it's if it's something that's built up to 
you know, say a wedding or, or you know, some some type of, of, of payoff event and they have that, that's OK. But for something to come out of the blue, I think, is is, is totally random. And I think Seinfeld is one of the, the yeah. ones that's most guilty about that because they brought Larry David back in to write the final two episodes, which became the, the one you know hour finale. And um, and he had not written for. Uh, for for several years and there was there seemed to be a certain ambivalence to the characters yeah uh i think they had not that the seinfeld characters grew a whole lot but they had certainly changed since he had written them and uh it took them out i mean that that show should have been in jerry's apartment just like all the other episodes were yeah and yeah. uh to take it out and to come up with this very contrived uh i don't know if you remember much about it but uh they're they're in a plane that jerry and, and and george have sold their series to nbc so they're in a plane going to travel they end up in a town ultimately get arrested um and and go to trial where they could bring all these former characters back in as cameos and it just felt very contrived and forced sure and so it felt uh, unnatural to the rest of the series. You know, it, it, it no longer was part of the series. It's just this event that, that stands out by itself. And I think if you do that, you've made a big mistake. Do you think Larry David's enthusiasm was curbed towards Seinfeld? I think it was. I do think so. I think he's thinking, I've got this other show. Yeah. You yeah. know, why am I going back? To, I, I really think, uh, I think he had a certain uh, ambivalence to not, I mean, obviously was very happy with, with Seinfeld and the show and all that kind of stuff. But I think he felt like he kind of maybe as uh, you know, a little mischievous nature or whatever, felt like he had to kind of undermine these characters and the characters were never redeeming characters in the first place. People that love the thing said, Oh, it's very true to the characters because they were always, you know, self-serving and, but uh, it just didn't fit. It didn't feel like the rest of the series. So, so I, I, it's interesting because what, what you said there, I've got, I've written four points down and I said, you know, are, are you left wanting more? Right. You know, do you want to check with the characters again to see how they're doing? Uh, are the main characters safe in some sort of state of tranquility? Yeah. And, and to me, that's a good ending point. Yeah. And a good example of that for me would be, well, I can think of two, the, the series finale for the West Wing, uh-huh. which was a natural transition point. It was at the end of the Bartlett administration. Right. And so uh, President and Mrs. Bartlett go flying off in what was Air Force One to mm-hmm. their life after the presidency. And um, so you, you felt good about what was going on. He made it through with multiple sclerosis. He didn't die in office. Yada, yada. Yeah, right. Yada, yada. Yeah, that for, <laughs> For, for the Seinfeld. Seinfeld, that's right. Um, then another one is the Battlestar Galactica mm-hmm. uh, series finale, where you know you have this the five five seasons. Whoops! Somebody <laughs> left his phone on. <laughs> Just realized I probably have mine on. Yeah. So five seasons, and they get to Earth, yeah, which is not the original Earth, which is kind of a turn. Uh huh. And um, they decide to start over and truly start over. They send the the spaceships into the into the sun, and they are going back to basics. Right. And again, there was nothing more there for the characters right. at all. You left them in a in a in a state of tranquility. And there's not really a check-in point. So, so I agree with you. You want, yeah. And I don't think, you know, again, it, it needs to stay true to the show. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to have, you know, this happy ending where something occurs and undermines everything that you've built up to. We've got some kind of. Yep. Well, that was interesting. Yeah. Well, yeah, special effect. That's right. Yeah, that's yeah. right. So, and now, when now <laughs> something special doesn't happen, and then we're obliterated by electric shock. There you and go. Guys of a certain age is just Jay. So, so you want the actions to be true to the characters? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Breaking Bad to me is a perfect example. Uh, you know, uh, 
and, and spoilers if you haven't seen the end of this yet, but you know, the whole thing is with uh, Walter White is he knew he had a terminal disease and uh, you know, he, he has to provide for his family though. So that's what sets up this whole uh, drug kingpin thing that he becomes. Well, they didn't have all of a sudden this miraculous thing happened where he no longer has cancer. And he, you know, he, he suddenly turns, you know, state's witness on everybody and doesn't have to go to jail or whatever. It stayed very true to the show and you have a satisfactory ending in some ways happy because you see some of the characters are moving on. He has been able to do what he wanted to do. He gets his revenge on some characters. So that's great. But you didn't come up with this contrived thing where all of a sudden, you know, he's, uh, you know, he's really not even redeemed. I mean, he's, no, he because no. he embraces the the Heisenberg character that he's become. And I realizes, am the danger. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so that was, I, mean, I thought it was just brilliant story writing the whole series was. But, uh, you know, there just seems to be this thing where you've got to, You've got to overdo the ending, and I think a lot of people fall victim to that. So, were you happy with you? You were happy. Oh with yeah, the I thought it was. Yeah, I thought it was great. See, I, I never really embraced Walter White. Oh really? You know, uh, I thought the show was was just incredibly well shot, mm-hmm. well produced, well well written. Um, and well acted, but I'd never really cared about Walter. Oh White. yeah, we cared about him a lot. We we really liked him a lot. And the thing is, what that was what was so strange about it because you know they you know there were there were so many things about him that you should not care about. There's so many, you know. And the one thing that comes to mind is is Jesse's girlfriend. I was just thinking, yeah. yes. I mean, horrible, horrible thing to yeah. do, and yet you still. But at the same time, you did not you know want him to. To get away with everything at the end. But if Walter White had not killed her, there would be no Jessica Jones. That's right. That's, That's right. right. That's right. So, um, so action's true to the character. Um, so I, I've got I've got two other parts here. Um, to me, I want I want to know that the immediate quest or conflict is resolved. Right. And so many times you have an overarching um, f- from show one from from episode one to the end of. Um, Again, in the case of Battlestar Galactica, it's the we're going to find Earth and they end up on Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, but is there an immediate quest or conflict that's resolved? Right. So, so many times you've got um, you've got some some minor conflicts put into play in that last season. And I want that question answered. Right. Um, and the big question or the, 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 the immediate I, question? Well, I want both of them answered. Yeah. Okay. You know, but I really sometimes I think we rush to pay off. Um, so quickly. And I think this is one of the things that the Game of Thrones finale did not do very well, that uh, it, it answered it answered the uh, Daenerys Jon Snow question uh, very, very well. But we have no idea where the Night King came from. Uh, we've got some. Uh, yeah. There were some flashbacks from from Bran in, uh-huh. in earlier seasons, but there were a lot of questions around the whole White Walker Night King yeah. thing that were never really answered. Yeah. And see, I think that's why. And again, I'm not going to spoil it because I know you want to go back and watch it. But the Lost series finale, or yeah, series finale, was so dissatisfying because I mean that whole you know series was built on questions: who is yeah. who is Jacob? Who is you know yeah. all this stuff? And so much of it was was left unanswered. And so much of it was just you kind of get to and go, wow, is that is that really it? Is that what that we've been building up to this? You know, we spent the, and of course it was a it was a fun journey, but uh, the destination didn't really pay off as much. And really, you know, kind of towards the you know last two seasons, things went off on in different tangents. And I think they it seems like to me a lot of times they will have and this kind of goes back to what you're talking about on different 
TV models. They will have enough story for the first season, maybe a couple of seasons. Sure. And then all of a sudden they get successful and they go, how can we stretch this thing out? How can we keep, you know, keep this thing going? And so they'll bring in these, these things that don't seem to have been workshopped <laughs> sure. and say, oh, this is, this is we're, we're leading to this ultimate conclusion. Uh, they say they, they did, but I just, you don't get that, that sense from the finale. Or at least I didn't. I know sure. some people do like it. Well, you know, I think back to the Mad Men finale. And to me, that was just a, a brilliant finale in and out that you, you basically expose Don Draper down to the, the very, very lowest level. You get him, you break him down mm-hmm. and you finally see the humanity in Don Draper. And then, um, then there's this moment of, of recognition at the end where you see this idea hit him and then it cuts to the I'd like to teach the world to yeah. sing uh, Coke campaign and with the implication that this this journey of self-realization end up actualizing into a commercial that is arguably the most popular commercial in recorded history oh, yeah. you know so that was that felt that rang very very true mm-hmm. um, so I yeah, we're not going to get into we're not going to get into our, our best season finales or uh, series finales. We're going to that's going to be part two of this episode once we have Jay come in. Right. But what? So the 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 shows that had pivots at the very end, and I'm thinking particularly of New Heart, New Heart, mm-hmm. and Saint Elsewhere. The twist at the end. Yeah. yeah. How, how do you like that? You know. Now see that it it may go against what we just said. I mean, in fact, it probably does because they certainly came out of nowhere. Um, but they were so well done. Yeah. So I think if you can, I think if you can pull that off, you know, uh, I think what happens is you've got to really, really be at the top of your game to pull that off. Absolutely. And you also have to know your audience. I think St. Elsewhere is certainly more controversial and a lot of people are disappointed with that. Although I thought it was a brilliant end to it. Sure. But people said, Oh, this, this means everything that we've watched. Uh, and for those that don't know, I guess we can say, yeah, the whole thing turns out to be, uh, uh, kind of a uh, the autistic child of I can't remember which doctor I can't remember which anyway doctor. he's we're looking at the whole uh, the he's got a snow globe with the St. Elsewhere Hospital and the whole series is supposed to have been uh, some uh, dream of his or you know didn't re- exist in reality so a lot of people go oh these people I've cared about they don't even exist that's right that's uh, right and and keep in mind that context that was four that was eighty eight or eighty nine I can't remember I think eighty nine and that was four or five years after the uh, after the the Dallas the Bobby yeah, yeah Bobby dream sequence the, yeah yeah the just, whole previous season of Bobby dream, getting yeah, killed yeah. you know uh-huh. and he comes out of the shower yeah it's like, like hey Pam what yeah. what's going on yeah. that was that was bizarre that that was bizarre and I didn't watch Dallas but I mean everybody knew that you know Dallas was brilliant because they ended their seasons on such or I guess began them that note but with the who shot Jr whether you watched it or not you knew about that and then with Bobby showing up in the shower that was just I mean those are those, so those you know, good storytelling, who knows, but certainly good marketing. Yeah, who, yeah. Sh- who shot JR? Yeah, that's right. That was his, uh, Ben Crosby's daughter. I can't remember the character that's she right. played, but um, yeah. What was her name? Oh, I Sydney? I can't remember. Who knows? Yeah. It's been you know, 30 years right. ago. So the, the St. Elsewhere twist, you know, again, after having you know, five years after the, the Bobby dream sequence, it was, it was pretty shocking, 
but it turned out fairly well. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, so that's one of those historic ones. Uh-huh. And then yeah. it opens up the whole St. Elsewhere grand unification theory. Yeah, you, you sent that link to me. So it, because there, I didn't realize there were all these ties. Yeah, yeah. So I'll have to see if I can find it. I'm While saying, you're looking for that, I'm going to just talk about Newhart real quickly. Yeah. I think, again, I said, I said you have to know your audience. Uh, Bob Newhart was the rare individual who had had two highly successful comedy sitcoms. Usually people couldn't go back to the well. Mary Tyler Moore had been part of the Dick Van Dyke show, had the Mary Tyler Moore show. She did that. But but usually when you've got a named show, it's hard to come back and repeat that success. Dick Van Dyke himself couldn't do that. Andy Griffith couldn't do that. Uh, but But even as successful as Newhart was, a lot of people felt like it was secondary to his original show, Bob Newhart. The Bob Newhart show. The Bob show. Newhart show. Yeah. And, uh, and so when they ended that thing with that whole show, the Newhart show, being a dream that he had had and, and opened to um, the, the bedroom that fans of his knew so well from the previous show with Suzanne Plachette in bed with him. That was just brilliant. There were these brothers named Daryl and Daryl. It was horrible. Yeah. And I was yeah. married to this stuff. Uh, redhead in a, in a sweater and then the lights go out and the lights come back on and who was this redhead so that's what just great it, it was brilliant it, it was, was really really good it was absolutely and they brilliant. knew their audience so yeah. they knew i mean because that show you know probably started out if i, I remember it was one we watched but started out with the, very much the idea of it being a, a, a very straightforward sitcom and then as larry and daryl and daryl Larry, Larry, Daryl, whatever it was, came in. They Larry, started to Darryl, do a little Darryl, more yeah. absurdist kind of things. They yeah. started to have a little more fun with it and take things out a little bit more. But uh, uh, So I think they kind of uh, laid the groundwork for that that twist. So um, uh, I've pulled that. We'll put this in the show notes. It's the uh, the Tommy West, Westfeld theory of a unified TV universe explained. And uh, this is from Mental Floss. And this is from... So the, Tommy's the kid, right? Tommy's the kid. Okay, so Dr. So, Westfeld's kid. So uh, a boy named... Tommy Westfeld, son of Melkle Dr. Donald Westfeld, you know, wakes up and the, the, the show cuts to him staring into a snow globe that says St. Allegis. And so Dr. Westfeld is, is obviously a blue collar guy. He's a construction worker. He's in, he's in blue clothes. I mean, a blue shirt, like he's about to head out. And then, um, his pops, as he called him. So Tommy's grandfather was the chief of, uh, Surgery, I guess. I can't remember the character's name. Anyway, I'm going to just completely butcher it. So the the whole idea was that the entirety of the St. Elsewhere run was the dream of this this kid. Right. Well, then you go back and you dig into, and then you realize, hmm, the doctors from St. Allegis visited Cheers. Right. Those characters had an episode crossover. Yeah. Right. And so uh, let's see if I can pull up some of these crossovers. So... Uh, Cheers spawned Frazier, a character who appeared on Wings. John Munch, the detective from Homicide, had mingled with the St. Allegis crew, and he appeared on shows ranging from X-Files to The Wire. Okay. And then, uh, so basically, Tommy Westfeld was like patient zero Uh for this entire universe. And so these guys... Uh, and I forget their names. We'll, we'll link to them in the show notes. They went in and they charted out 441 episodes. I mean, 441 different TV shows. Different shows, right? That could that could tie back in. Wow. To Westfield, some of the uh, some of the most interesting ones were, if I can see, if I can find out. They were able to get it to. Um, Oh, here we go. So, Dr. Westfeld and two other doctors visited Sam Malone's bar from Cheers. Cheers introduced Fraser Crane of Fraser. 
John Hemingway of the John Larroquette Show once called into Frazier's talk show. The John Larroquette Show once mentioned Yo-Yo Dine, a manufacturing client of, long, of law firm Wolfram & Hart. Wolfram & Hart had another client, Wyland Utani, that made a weapons display screen for Firefly. A Wyland Utani ship is seen in the BBC series Red Dwarf, which is also depicted, which also depicted the Doctor's TARDIS. And if you remember, Wyland Utani is the the parent company that that sends uh, Paul Reiser's Alien, character yeah. out in Aliens. Uh-huh. So you have this entire mm-hmm. interconnected universe. Yeah, that's all an autistic boy's dream. Wow. So, but that's pretty uh, bizarre. And, and they were able to actually take it all the way back to I Love Lucy. Wow. Um, the Cosby Show. Uh-huh. And anyway, so yeah. it, we'll put it up in the show notes. So, mm-hmm. um, speaking of I Love Lucy and kind of the research for this, I saw that the first show that had a what we consider a modern series finale is uh the fugitive and of course oh I, sure yeah i didn't i've seen the series but i'm more familiar with the movie obviously yeah but it has a payoff after several years of him tracing uh, chasing the one-armed man he finally catches him at the end and it makes me think of all these series you know of course i know they went back to gilligan's island with the harlem globetrotters later but all these series <laughs> that really needed to have yeah you know some kind of final episode but, uh, but the Tommy Lee Jones show up and say, I don't care. care. That's right. That's probably yeah. what he's doing right now as we talk about all this. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah. right. That's right. So so just kind of coming back to our um, our whole what makes a good uh, a, a good TV series finale um, is the actions true to the characters do the overarching questions of the series and that particular season get get resolved get answered and then are you are, are you leaving the characters in a in a good place or where their story you know is no longer tv worthy you have you have witnessed the part of their lives that would make good tv yeah and they're back to normalcy does, does that kind of yeah i think that's good i saw something you shared with me over the weekend about tying up all the loose ends i don't know that all the loose ends need to be tied up that's okay that's life they don't all tie up that way but i think you've got to have uh like you said those main topics that you discussed either in the season or throughout the series you have to have some kind of answer. You may not necessarily like the answer, but they ought to at least be answered. But I think this idea of the the characters being somewhere where we feel like we can back out of their lives now. You know, we've seen them. I think that's, that's a great way to put it. All right. So here's your homework for our next recording. And we'll give this to Jay. What are your top five TV series finales of all time? Do you want those to be the favorite or just like the most, the ones that have made the impact? I think maybe... Let's let's each take it. Let's see okay. if we can come to. Uh, let's see if we can come to consensus. I think I'm going to do impact. The okay. ones that have had, you know, because there are some that that to me are are almost uh, well known for being infamously bad. Sure, <laughs> yeah. sure. So you can do impact. Um, we'll see what Jay wants to do, and then mine's Jay can... will do food. Yeah, which, yeah, the, <laughs> which one with... had the best craft services in the season finale? <laughs> <laughs> oh wow, wow. There's there's that, and then. Uh, uh, you know, we should do a show about craft services. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah. Boy, Jay would really enjoy that because I can compare craft services. We should have craft services for this show. We do. We oh, should. We, we should. <laughs> yeah, we should. As, I as the com- one who never brings food, I'll, I'll bring the else. Because I could compare craft services on Shop Junior with craft services oh, on MasterChef yeah. Junior. Okay. It's very interesting. That's so interesting. Okay. So. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, we'll see what Jay was going to do. I'm going to probably do what uh, my top five that satisfy. Okay. 
five, these criteria, you're going to do impact, and we'll see what Jay yeah. says about food. Yeah. Okay. Sounds so, good. All right. See you next time. <laughs>